Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the cafe. Pastor Clark Covington here with another episode of KJV Cafe. I'm so glad you could join us here today. Hey, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can check us out on YouTube. You can search up KJV Cafe. Every episode gets posted there. Uh, and we also have a Facebook page. You search up KJV Cafe. We have a website, kjvcafe.com. Okay. All right. I guess enough of that. Hopefully you're doing well here today. Rain's clearing up a little bit. Sun's coming out. And I thank God for the light. And we're going to get to that today. We're talking about how good the light is. I don't know about you, but I love the light. Amen. Uh, I remember really identifying that. I mean, of course, I've always liked a sunny day. I like the warm weather. That's why I keep telling my wife we're going to have to get out of these cold North Carolina winters and go somewhere fun. But she just laughs at me. She don't take me serious. But uh I remember, you know, about four or five years ago being a little church, first church I pastored there, and we were in the wedding chapel in the field. That's where we had service. And no, there wasn't a wedding uh, every time. A few times we had to cancel night service or move it up for a wedding that they had there, but it was just a rental wedding chapel and then we could uh, rent it out. A nice man let us rent it there. And uh, Miss Peggy would go there. She was in the neighborhood across North Carolina, her and she'd bring her uh, adopted kids and so forth. Uh, and she was just, when it was sunny out, she was just on cloud nine and I'm the same way. And if it was rainy, she was like not on cloud nine and I'm the same way because I love the light. We see here in Genesis one, or excuse me, Genesis three, one through four, we see this idea of light start to emerge, light and darkness. And I'll read Genesis three, uh, and I'll just read it here, uh, one through four again. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. And here we see Genesis 3, 1 through 4. We see this subtle serpent. Never forget, the devil's very subtle. People think he's going to come with flames and be like, you must do this. No, he's going to come with temptations that you already want to do, hoping that you will engage him in it. And we see the woman admits that she's competent of what God wants her to do. She admits that she knows the rules of this garden. She knows them so well, she recites them to the devil. It doesn't seem like she has any problem telling the serpent there what is and is not allowed. And the serpent then lies. You know, does the serpent have any care for that woman? Like once she falls into sin, is the devil going to come and rescue her and help her? No. You know, is, is, is he going to be her aid? Amen. He's the one that told her, you know, and yet he has nothing for her. He wishes death upon her because he is darkness and he is not light and he is horrible. And Jesus Christ is light. Amen. Jesus Christ is light. And we're going to look at that idea of him being the light. There's, you literally could, could look at that for years, the idea or the word light in the Bible. Try to look it up. 
there's I use a KJV Bible search engine. You look that thing, that word light up, and there are just loads, reams of verses, and take them in context, of course. But those verses always point to Jesus as being the light. So we're going to get to that as soon as we get back from this break. Hang in there. You're listening to KJV Cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. So if you recall, in our last episode, I went through uh, several verses in John 8 to help express who the devil is in the words of Jesus. He is the father of lies. And where does it say that? It says that in John 8, right? And it says that specifically in verse 44, for he is a liar and the father of it. So John 8, 44, Jesus calls the devil the father of lies. But I started there in John 8, and the beginning is the people being convicted of their own sin because they had caught a woman in the act of adultery and then they wanted to stone her to death but because that was the law at the time, but they realized that they all had sinned themselves and so nobody could cast a stone because they all walked away admitting they had sin. That's John 8 there. Uh, and that's, um, I'm just looking it up to make sure, that starts in verse 1 and goes to verse 12. And I picked up in verse 13 and went on uh or excuse me, I picked up, yeah, in verse 13 and went on to verse 20, okay? And so what's in the, what's between 12 and, um, oh, excuse me, what's between 11 and 13 is John 8, 12. Then Jesus spake again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life, amen? Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He is the light. He is the light of life. Amen. We see that Jesus Christ is the good shepherd, that he is the one that will lead us in the right path. John 10, 10 through 14. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. See that contrast, death and life? Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth as the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hiring fleeth because he is a hireling and the careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Well, look at this passage of scripture. Didn't we just talk about how the devil didn't care for Eve at all and didn't do anything to help her after she was expelled from the garden for believing his lie. And don't we know that Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, died for our sins on the cross at Calvary. Literally, the good shepherd literally gave his life for his sheep and how good God is and how he is light and how he came to give life. You see, it's so simple, and it's all outlined there in Genesis 3, 1 through 4. It's all outlined as in we see the character of that subtle serpent. that made, he, wanted to make, he wanted to make it look like to Eve he was doing her a wild favor by telling her about that fruit and how she won't die. And what he was really doing is introducing death into the picture for all humanity until the Lord returns. <laughs> Not exactly a good thing, was it? He wasn't exactly able to do anything. God said, okay, cursed is man, cursed the ground that you, that you work upon. Woman, you're going to be cursed in pregnancy. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't grow anything in my garden. And my wife's pregnancy, my wife, I only have one wife, thank you. My wife's pregnancy, 
uh, both of both of them that I was present for were really brutal, really hard, scary. So the devil didn't resolve it for Eve then. He hasn't resolved it for people now because he doesn't care. John 10, 10 tells us in the words of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. To steal, kill, and destroy. And the method the thief is using, what's the method the thief is using? Enticement, pride, lust. Oh, you don't need to go to God and ask him if you can go to that bar and drink. Oh, you don't need to go to God and ask him if it's okay to vape or to do these drugs. Oh, you don't need to go to God and ask him before you go to this pornography website or download this app that has pornography. You don't need to talk to God about that. You're your own person. Don't worry about it. James 4.10 tells us, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. You know, I've heard it said there's no peacocks in heaven. And a peacock, what do they do? They spread their feathers and they strut around. Now, I don't know. I'm not an expert on peacocks. I do know here in Kings Mountain, if you're driving towards the Gateway Park, which is a little park, uh, there is a peacock in a yard fenced up and it does spread its feathers and kind of strut around. I remember vaguely driving up to some mountainous town. I don't know if it was South Mountain or on that way, Lawndale, Polkville, somewhere here in the North Carolina foothills. And literally, we saw a peacock cross the street. I couldn't believe it, but we did. Uh, and that's what they do. They, they show all their feathers and they strut around. Now, there, there may be an animal like a peacock in heaven, but there's no, no one's going to be boasting in heaven. There's no going to be boastful people in heaven. Because in order to get there, you have to humble yourself enough to know that you're a sinner in need of a savior. You have to humble yourself en- enough to know that you are made from the dirt. You have to humble yourself enough to know that you love the Lord so much that you're willing to take up your cross, to die to self, to accept Christ as savior, not to be living carnally and worldly. You know, what were the scribes and Pharisees doing? They said, God, we want your benefits, but we don't want to live how you want us to live. And we certainly don't want to acknowledge you as you are. The scribes and the Pharisees were looking for some royal, royal, royal looking king. Jesus from Nazareth. Nathaniel said, what good could come from Nazareth? It was a know-nothing town. And I mean, he didn't look like much. The Bible said he was of no good report. He didn't look like some supermodel. The Pharisees and the scribes said, who's this guy? He doesn't have a chariot. He doesn't have a purple robe. We're not going to exalt him. We're not going to listen to him. We want to kill him. We hate him. You see, that's pride. And the same pride that was there with the scribes and Pharisees, if you go back in the Bible to Genesis 3, is the same pride that was there with Adam and Eve, that for some reason were willing to listen to the lie from the father of lies that they should eat that fruit that it would be okay, that they surely wouldn't die. And again, history tells us they died, okay? They're no longer here. In fact, the Bible gives us their death dates. You can do a timeline of when they died. I recommend that. Either writing out your own timeline or researching the timeline, many have done it, where you look at the lifespan of Adam, the lifespan of uh, Seth and Cain and Abel and Methuselah and Noah and you look at these lifespans and you say, whoa, these o- overlap a lot. And it's really feasible that, hey, you know what? Uh, a couple generations before Noah could have known Adam personally and certainly would have heard of him. 
you know, and all the way down to after the flood, Noah could have passed it on to his kids and so on and so forth. And so God's perfect in the way he designed everything. But in the word, that's the perfect word. We know they died. So the devil lied because he said, you shall surely not die. And remember, you may think of this like being poisoned and that's what the devil meant. But what I believe the conversation was, is there was no death in the garden whatsoever, right? There was no, God never meant for death to enter the picture. In paradise, in true paradise in heaven, there is no death. Amen? Uh, you know, there is, we die here, our earthly bodies at some point. We're taken home to be with the Lord. We have the judgment. And for those that are unbelievers, that's called the second death, right? The Bible tells us to fear not the first death, but the second death, because that person in charge of the second death, which is God Almighty, and I believe Jesus Christ himself, will judge righteously, and that's when you can get sent to hell or heaven. But for those that don't believe, they're going to go to hell. That's why we should fear the second death. But that death that entered in the Garden of Eden hadn't been there before. So what the devil was really saying is death won't ever enter the picture for anyone. You see? So he was very subtle. He was saying you can do this and get away with it. And that's still happening today. And we understand the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. So the Bible tells us that none are righteous, no, not one, that we all fall short, and the wages of sin is death. Does that make sense? And so if the wages of sin is death, nothing has changed. We still die when we sin. You know, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we're all guilty of it. And so it takes a massive amount of pride to say, okay, that's everybody but me. Okay, well, thousands of scholars over thousands of years have tried to disprove the Bible and they can't, but now I'm going to walk around in unbelief. No, that's just silliness. That's foolishness, right? But they're going to go ahead and call the Bible believer a fool and the Bible believer simple, even though the Bible predicts that they would. And the Bible even speaks to the foolishness of preaching saves those that believe, right? And so God's already foreseen everything. God knows everything. And God gives us Genesis 3, 1 through 4, as an example for us to understand the subtlety of the devil, the enticement that comes, the idea that God surely would have provided a way for them to get out of it. He did in the fact that they already had knowledge. It's not like they were confused. Even though the devil's the author of confusion, Eve knew, Adam knew, and yet they still fell into sin. And that helps us to understand our need for God today, God Almighty and the Holy Spirit to help us not fall into sin. That is our need. That's a great lesson from Genesis 3, 1 through 4. Uh, We're going to move on to verse 5 in the next episode. Uh, For time's sake, we'll do that. But I thank you so much for listening. Please tune in next time. Take care. God bless and amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at clark at enduringpromise.org. See you again tomorrow, same time, same place.